This is Three Valleys Radio. It's time for another of our series, In Conversation With. Each week we catch up with a sporting legend to find out what they're up to nowadays. Oh, and we also catch up on some of their musical choices. And this week it really is a superstar, as we've got ex-England, Somerset and North Perrot cricketer, the one and only Vic Marks to join us. Good evening and welcome to the show. My name's Adie Hopper and I'm delighted to have with me today the spin bowling legend from North Perrot, Somerset and England. It's none other than Vic Mark. Well, good afternoon, everybody. I'm really pleased to have with me today um, a, a test cricketer of renown. Um, basically, somebody quoted him as saying, a mild, nervy, self-depreciating farm boy with an Oxford degree and no enemies. Now, I don't know if you can guess who that is, but I'm going to put you out of your misery. It's Vic Marks. Hello, Vic. How are you? Hello, Adrian. I'm frankly very much. Yeah. <laughs> nice to speak to you. And you. And you. <laughs> now, um you got the the objective of what we're trying to do here today it's kind of the program's called in conversation really and it's just a a chat which we which you have uh, with me basically so um you were born in um a little somerset village not far from here called middle Chinnock on the 25th of june in 1955 and you've got a nickname of skid or speedy where'd that come from <laughs> well uh, the first bit is absolutely right <laughs> good when i was born yeah yeah a mere 60 odd years ago yeah um i don't think i was ever called with speedy i'll tell you what happened i don't know whether anyone has seen them but we used to have these cricketers who's who books would come out yeah and in those books you'd see um lots of snippets about every county player right and they used to send out these forms and they'd come into the dressing room <laughs> and then you'd fill out the forms yeah and I think one year, 
Ian Botham got hold of my form. <laughs> yeah, sounds right. <laughs> and he decided he decided to fill bits of it himself. Oh, I got you. Uh, and once it got in the system, it was practically yeah. impossible to get it out of the system. Well, so, yeah. I mean, I was actually called Skid briefly, um, and that was via Bob Willis when I got picked for England. He loved having nicknames. So right, yeah. He decided that was hilarious. Uh, Speedy, I don't think I was ever called Speedy, mm. uh, for obvious reasons, even <laughs> ironically. So I think that was just probably a, a beefy addition. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And one or two of his less, you know, appropriate ones may have disappeared more quickly. Right. But I was called Skid by, uh, if I see a few of my England colleagues, which I had a brief, you know, England career, mm-hmm. for about two or three years I was in and out there, then they might they might say hello skid but uh i not many others would though (laughs) (laughs) it didn't have any reference to the ball skidding through or anything like that i don't think so no no (laughs) No. (laughs) fair enough fair enough but you you started your career and obviously this is where you and i sort of kind of first crossed swords in 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 uh well west chiddock and north parrot of course which is where i live and i'm very much involved in the cricket club there well can, can you remember your days at north parrot very well I can, but I mean, they're a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, and it was that we just, I mean, it's a fantastic ground, as most people will know. Mm. Uh, in those days, though, it had no real pavilion, it just had a tiny little thatched hut. Yeah. At one end. Um, and I don't know, I obviously lived only about three or four miles away. Uh, my dad had played a few games, I think, for North Perrot way back in the sort of 50s. I've, yeah. seen, I've got a photo of him in a team of, of you people you'll remember, uh, Durrance and uh, one or two others. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I suspect my brother, who you'll know, yes, played the odd game, played the odd game at North Perrot as well. Mm. And I just remember as a teen, a youngish teenager, um somehow getting the chance to go and play there during the school holidays uh and it was just fantastic there'd be well tom parkman would be bowling off spin and turning it far more than i ever could yeah. at that age or yeah he might say at any age and his brother jim and, <laughs> and jim yeah a bloke called robert robert Rodford was captain i think yeah and anyway they were extremely welcoming they get every chance to play and i just loved it yeah um i mean i didn't play that often but when i did i just thought it was fantastic and of course it's a, a brilliant place to play cricket it's uh it's an yeah. uh, you know it's an idol there well, so um so it's great fun but I mean, and, um, uh, the thing is, you, you're you're forever going to be known as our sort of the best thing that's uh, ever happened to North Perrot. You're you're going to be the icon of the club forever. <laughs> well, I think they might. Uh, I'm sure there'll be there'll be some some other uh, blokes who go on to play the odd game professionally. But um, I'm very yeah. It was just lovely to to be able to go and play there, and I just remember. It getting such a warm welcome as a kid there Mm. um and i just loved it um so very grateful and it's great actually i mean you'll see the club from a distance to see the club sort of yeah grow of course you've got fantastic pavilion there somerset have played a lot of cricket there now over the years um 
And uh, they love going down there. The second team mm. game's been played there for a long time now. And of course, um, you open the bar, which is which is uh, that in itself is a, is a, is a shattering uh, experience for you. <laughs> I open the bar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I, and you know, it's a fantastic facility now, and yeah. uh, and also in those days, of course, uh, when I played, I, it was a few. You know, it was just village cricket. There, I don't think we were any league. As I remember, there was no league. You weren't in a league mm. or anything, but now. No. Uh, now it's much more serious, and the, the the cricket is of a higher standard, probably. Yeah, uh, and you're you're right up there. But um, yeah, there's a very happy memories of North Perrot. Right now, it's time for the first of Vic's musical choices, and it's the Beatles. And here comes the. It's all right. It's darling, it's been 
John Paul, George and Ringo there, of course, the Beatles, and here comes the sun. So, so moving on a little bit from North Perra, you, your next sort of claim to fame, I guess, is that you um, you were educated at Blundell School and you went to Oxford University, which can't be bad for a, a, a lad from Middleton, it? <laughs> no, it's a bit of a turn-up. Yeah. Uh, yes, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> But I do know, all I do know, I mean, I joined Somerset, actually. I had, I remember getting two phone calls mm. within a week when I was just about leaving school. One was telling me, against the odds, actually, that yeah. I'd somehow scraped into Oxford. Right. Uh, and the other was that I was going to be, for the summer before that, before the sort of September, October time, um, I was offered a contract, £15 a week, Mm. Uh, along with a lot of other youngsters, uh, with Somerset, um, who had decided that they were going to have a bit of a youth policy, partly because they had a, a selection of reasonably good young cricketers. Yeah. And I remember thinking, well, I remember being far more excited about the possibility of being on the Somerset Star <laughs> than going off to university, but um, they were two damn good phone calls. What, what, um, what did you study at uh, Oxford? Well, I studied classics, which is Latin, Greek, ancient history. Right. I mean, I wasn't a great um, uh, academic, but I just about got through. Yeah. But, the, but the, I mean, the big bonus from a cricketing perspective was is that I was I could get into the Oxford team mm. without too much trouble. Actually, I mean, I played a bit of England school stuff the previous year, so they knew that. I had a bit of pedigree, if you like. Yeah. Uh, Imran Khan was there. Uh, he was in his last year. Chris Havre from Kent was exactly the same year as I was. So there were some mm. good cricketers around. Yeah, yeah. And then the, the opportunity was fantastic to go and play for the university. In those days, you played about seven or eight matches against the counties. So you suddenly found my first match. I'll never forget it. It was against Sussex. And Tony Gregg was captain Sussex. And John Snow was running up with about five sweaters on um, with the ball in his hand. Mm. I mean, this was dream stuff. But yeah. it was fantastic, a fantastic experience. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, uh, I mean, do you think that helped you with, with uh, obviously, you, you had this brief yeah. contract with Somerset. I mean, they must have taken notice of all this going on, surely. Well, yeah, yeah. The, well, what helped uh, uh, was the fact that um, I was playing against, you know, in first-class matches against the top players. And then, gradually, I went up there. I was a kid. I was a batsman, essentially. I didn't bowl much or not very seriously. Mm. Uh, and I was signed by Somerset, unbelievably, you might think, as a batsman. Right. Uh, but at Oxford, I looked around and I, you know, I thought, well, hang on a minute, I can probably bowl as well as the other bloke who's trying to bowl spin. And yeah. I'm in the team already as a batsman, so yeah. I, you know, I even promoted myself. Well, I can probably do, you know, as good a job as him. If you want to play an extra batsman, I'm happy, very happy to bowl. And I started bowling more and more. Not. Mm and just gaining experience and that's actually what helped me get into the Somerset team a bit more quickly because they had quite a lot of batting but everyone at that stage if you've got a bowler someone else who can bowl that was very useful yeah so in that sense being at Oxford was a great bonus they, they'd look in the paper and see well he's bowled 25 overs again without getting absolutely smashed mm. and that that helped me get into the Somerset team a little bit more quickly I think yeah uh, and as well as all the experience of, you know, playing against the top players, it was wonderful. 
Uh, may- and it certainly promoted, you know, got me into the Somerset setup. I was still, whilst at university, I still had a sort of summer contract with Somerset. So mm, yeah, that yeah. was fine. But it meant I got more opportunities perhaps in the first team a bit more quickly because I was bowling there. Mm, mm. So, but you you um, you made your debut for England then in a one day match against the West Indies in 1982 yeah. against uh, yeah against the West no, Indies. That's right. 1980 and, it was. Oh, well, 1980. That's right. And you, sorry, yeah. I, I got it wrong. It's your Test debut was 1982 against Pakistan. Yeah. yeah? And 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 then a, a, a wonderful career really playing for England. Yeah. Well, that's sort of wonderful, but. I became a bit of a one-day bowler. Uh, mm. I was more successful probably in one-day cricket. Yeah. Um, my first match, <clears throat> we won actually at, at Lords against the West Indies, and Ian was captain. It was about his second game in charge. Um, yeah. To my amazement, <laughs> he never really told me he was going to pick me, but um, <laughs> uh, and I think it was partly by accident. We played down at Bournemouth, and the chairman of selectors. Alec Betzer had come down to Bournemouth to watch, to have a chat with Ian about picking the one-day squad. Yeah. And it was a dead game. Uh, and I think we'd all had quite a few drinks beforehand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, neither Hampshire nor us could qualify. So it was fairly... Anyway, it ter- uh, despite all that, I have a really good game. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, you know, I got 80-odd and I, I bowled OK. Uh and Ian was there talking with Alec Betzer about who they... And I don't know whether that's coincidence or not, but at the end of it, I got picked. <laughs> well, don't knock um, it. <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, so that was my... And, you know, looking back, it was one of the highlights of Ian's captaincy, actually. We, we beat them at Lords in a one-day match, a good one-day match. Uh, and I was... Well, I was an England one-day cricketer. And then a couple of years later, I, I played... Uh, my first test at Headingley um, against Imran, actually, against Pakistan. More music now. This one is called I'm Still Standing by Mr. Elton John. You can never know what it's like. Your blood like winter freezes just like ice. And there's a cold and lonely light that shines from you. You'll wind up like the wreck you hide behind that mask you use. And if you think this fool could never win, well, look at me, I'm coming back again. I got a taste of love and a simple way. And if you need to know while I'm still standing, you just fade away. Don't you know I'm still standing better than I ever did? Looking like a true survivor, feeling like a little kid.
John there and I'm still standing. Right, so you, you were saying you, you played your first test against Pakistan then? Yeah, I, I was first picked at the end of for a test match in 1982, the last test of the summer against Pakistan, a series of levels, a tight game. Uh, and we we just won. I was not out at the end. Twelve not out. Yeah. <laughs> um, we only won by about three wickets, I think. Um, so that was, you know, that was yeah. a great excitement, and that just about got me on the first of several winter tours. But it was, mm. um, it was, yes, a pretty hair raising experience at the time. It was a tight game, very nervous first test, but we, you know, and yeah. I also I got one wicket, which is a slightly dodgy wicket. It was a, quite a controversial moment where oh, yeah. <laughs> they, uh, uh, their Sikander bat, one of their tail enders, and put up resistance with Imran and he was given out of me caught it forward short leg well I can't be absolutely certain he hit it <laughs> and oh, well. for about a decade after that there was quite a lot of animosity between England and Pakistan and, oh, was and it? arguments about umpires and all that all your fault um, <laughs> it, well it was unwittingly possibly my fault <laughs> but yeah. um, I mean even then Imran was very keen on the notion of neutral umpires yeah. uh, and I think he was probably right in the end well, anyway, as we say at North so we were, Parrot, look in the book. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure Not sure Imran was not necessarily <laughs> impressed by that, that, that suggestion. Um, but anyway, uh, I was off and running and I was, you know, lucky enough to go on several tours, three tours after that. Um, not always playing in the team, usually not in the team, actually, except in the one-day matches. But... Um, you know, I'm lucky to have played. Did, did you find, though, that, uh, you know, going off on these, these winter tours, I mean, they were, they were quite lengthy at times and, you know, away from the family and your wife and everything. I mean, was that difficult to cope with or did you just take it uh, like a duck to water? Uh, well, no, I think it was, especially... It, it, they were... The pattern of winter tours were different then. They didn't come along quite so often. You'd only go on one winter tour in a winter, whereas now they come home and they go off again and they might go to two different, three different nations. Yeah. So, I mean, the first tour I went on, which was fantastic, it was an Ashes tour. Um, I mean, we were away for, I should think, about three and a half months, four months. Yeah. a huge huge time away and it was you know it sounded wonderful and it was great fun but it, it was also a strain particularly i was already married by then and you got a young kid and all that mm. sort of stuff mm. so it, it would take its toll and it was quite difficult um being away from home for so long nowadays they spend a lot of time away uh, and but nowadays, also, the, the the board will pay for their wives to come out and do all that, yeah. look after them for, for two or three weeks in a way that obviously didn't happen way back. Um, and it tends to be, you know, a, sh a sort of five or six weeks, seven weeks, then back again, and then they might go off again. So the, the tour is more frequent, but not so long. Um but it, it was part and parcel. That's how it happened, and mm. uh, I, you know, I wouldn't wouldn't swap it. Which was the most uh, desired destination? I think the most desired destination is probably Australia. Although it's also the most difficult. Mm. Um, 
I think over the years, England have played worse in Australia than anywhere else. And that's partly because of the nature of the tour where you feel the whole nation is against you in Australia. Yeah. They're all wired up for the cricket. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and there's nothing they want more than to see the Poms humiliated. Mm. So you feel you're up against the whole nation, whereas in other countries, the cricket is not quite so important and they're, they're in a way more welcoming, although you always get a good welcome in Australia. They love having you there because they love the, love beating the rivalry. <laughs> and they love beating us. And they usually do, of course. Our record in Australia is not very good. No. Mm. Um, so, but but having said that, it's of course it's a wonderful country to tour, mm. um, and the, the, but the India tour is also a memorable one, and it certainly was in those days back in the eighties, because it was another world. You know, it's yeah. not like North Parrot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, not quite, not quite. Um, so that would be an eye opener, and also back in the eighties, you would get huge crowds in India, and you could go out, you go on the streets. There's an England cricketer, even unknown mm. England cricketer, and you get surrounded by mm. fans, and uh, uh, you know the, the interest there was amazing. Uh, and you'd see sites that you'd never seen before. So it was an education to go to India, and and also when you toured India uh, as a team, you were much more close knit. I mean, in Australia, everyone's got friends; they go off, and you. But in India, in those days especially, you spent a lot of time together as a tour party. Yeah. You did everything together, uh, and you got to therefore you got to know your teammates better and. If you ask people from that era, you know, which tours do you remember? Very often they pluck out the one in India because that's the tour where they spent hours and hours and hours and hours and days with some people who became lifelong friends. Yeah, uh, you got to yeah. know people better. Mm, mm. Uh, and on the India tour I went on, actually, I mean, it was an amazing tour where we, there were assassinations. Mrs. Gandhi was assassinated. And then on the cricket side, against all the odds, having lost the first test, they, we, uh, our team came back and won the series when we'd been written off, really. Um, so we did better than expected. Uh, and there was a, it was a tremendous feel to that tour, even though some of the BM wasn't there, actually. Some of the big names were absent. Mm. So everyone remembers that tour with great affection. At the time, we thought, what's going on? There's, there's Bhopal going on, a great little chemical yeah. disaster. There was a yeah. general election. There was riots and, this, and Mrs. Gandhi being assassinated. And it was sort of fairly chaotic. No, you what? It but was a quiet we, game of cricket. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but because we came through it all yeah. with some success and with a lot of friendships, we all look back on that one time for number three in Vic's uh, choice of music and this time it's uh, madness and it must be love I never thought I'd miss you half as much as I do Feel this way The way I feel About you Soon as I wake up Every night Every day I know that it's you I need To take the blues away It must be love Love of love Love, love, love Nothing more, nothing 
can say so much without words. Bless you and bless me. Bless the bees and the birds. there and it must be love now i was going to ask you you played with with three probably of the best best known cricketers is probably the best cricketers anyway i mean i suppose that's a mm. sub- subjective su- um, suggestion but i mean ian botham viv richards joel garner i mean three of the greatest cricketers we've ever seen um what was that like well on the good days it was just fantastic yeah <laughs> um I mean, Viv is the easiest one in a sense, in that I think you won't find many people who played in that era who who don't agree that he was the best player in the world. Yeah. Uh, and I can remember watching him on the first day of, you know, my first day down there almost. We had a middle practice. And we didn't know Viv. Viv had played in Bath up at Lansdowne. That was a long way away in those days. Yeah, yeah. The previous summer. Uh, and I remember watching him and... Uh, with Peter Roebuck, actually, we what we were we were doing middle practice, so two players would go out and bat for twenty minutes. Mm. So Viv was batting with someone, and then Pete and I had gone off to put our pads on to be the next couple, and we watched Viv take Garden, just smash the first ball he received. <laughs> 
on the county ground through the covers for four square cut. Absolutely awesome. Yeah. And we, we looked at one another and said, well, I don't think we're going to get a hint of him. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he was obviously, we all, you know, we were privileged because we suddenly had a glimpse of someone you could tell almost from the word go was going to be a world beater. Mm. And we had that glimpse before anyone else. I mean, it was... Uh, didn't surprise us, you know. No, no. And he, he came to, con, you know, be the best player in the world because we just, you, you couldn't avoid seeing how good he was. Whereas with Ian, it, it, Ian, was, you always wanted to watch what Ian was going to do. And it could go either way. It could yeah. be fantastic or it could be absolute chaos. Yeah. Um, so we weren't quite so sure that we had a sort of world beater on our hands with Ian. But we always wanted to watch him because he could do anything. Um, either brilliantly or just occasionally disastrously. Yeah. Uh, but then we soon realised that you know he he was so fearless, uh, and he he wasn't prepared. He was prepared to make a fool of himself. He wasn't afraid of failing. But don't uh, don't you find though, Vic, that when you get what what they sort of generally because a genius, whether it be football, cricket, rugby, whatever, you've mm. always got that capacity to be one minute to be absolutely out of this world, and then equally you know go off the rails for whatever reason because it's just part of the sort of DNA of a of a genius. If well, you like. that's yes, I think that is one. I mean, obviously you've got some people who are geniuses. I saw a Don Bradman or a Tendulkar. Yeah who are geniuses, but sort of reliable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but Ian, it, it, yes, it is that capacity, I think, to, to, to not play safe. Most of us, you know, you're in a public uh, arena there. People are watching you. They're watching you minutely as you get better mm. on television. They're watching everything. And uh, Normal people think, well, I've got to avoid making a complete idiot of myself here. <laughs> yeah. And you might therefore be a bit more cautious about how you go about playing your game. Yeah. Uh, just to make sure you don't muck it up horrendously in front of far too many people. Mm. But the real geniuses don't think like that. Yeah. And they think they, they're prepared to go for it. And you see, you saw that with Ian uh, from the word go, that he, he will be prepared to make a fool of himself. But the flip side of that is he could do something astonishing, quite mm. brilliant. Mm. And you kind of see that with Ben Stokes sometimes, don't you? Take yeah. on shots that you wouldn't normally, you yeah. know, as a normal human being, think you can do. Mm. Uh, and they therefore expand the scope of what they can achieve by being so brave yeah. uh, and not worrying about the consequences. Mm. So that was part, that, especially with Ian, that was, that was what made him special. Having said that, he was pretty... For two years, he was the most... Two or three years, right at the end of the 70s, he was the most fantastic bowler. I mean, he was in decline as a bowler from about 1980 onwards. He had a slight back problem in 1980. Mm. He lost a bit of liveness. And he was never actually as good as he was in 78, 79, where he bowled at real pace. He was still a wonderful athlete, quite lithe. He could make the ball swing. He could bowl vicious bouncers. Mm. Uh, and his body was fantastic. You know, he was really fit. And he kind of bluffed almost for a decade as a bowler after that. But it was, you know, he just willed them out. Yeah, yeah. Um, but for two or three years, he was an astonishing bowler. And, of course, he evolved as a... A terrific batsman as well. Uh, but it was his fearlessness that made him special more than anything, his bravery. Yeah. Uh, uh, and 
you know, he's just so lucky to have played with those two. And, and Joel, the other one, he was kind of like a metronome in a way. <laughs> I mean, he never bowled badly. Mm. Um, he was mean on the field. He was incredibly generous off it, but he was six foot eight. Yeah. But incredibly accurate. Yeah. Quick if you if he needed to be. Um, he was a wonderful sort of bowling machine. I mean, it, his body re- rebelled a bit, but. Um, you know, the amazing contrast, actually, between Joel, who was sort of easygoing. You'd see Joel down at the county ground, and if we were batting, he would just wander around the ground. It would take him about an hour, an hour and a half to get around the ground because, like a Pied Piper, there'd be people coming up and wanting autographs and wanting a chat, and he'd spend hours with them, whereas Viv liked to keep himself to himself a bit more and was less comfortable in front of, you know, yeah. meeting lots of people he didn't know. So they're quite a contrast, but, um, you know, uh, on, the, on the good days, and there were lots of them, they were magical. As a team, what did you win? Can you refresh my memory, um, that, that particular team with those, you know, uh, uh, those three? Well, it was all, I mean, it wasn't the championship, I can tell you that. No. I think we were in, uh, we were in five Lords finals, and we won four of them. We lost the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, and we won. Obviously, we won a Sunday league, and then we kept coming second in the Sunday league. So we we probably won five trophies in about three or four years, or yeah. four or five years, probably. Yeah. Um, and got very close. So we kept coming second, as I say, in the in yeah. the in the John Player League. But we never really threatened to win the championship. I think our best year was only a, a third place. Um, yeah. In part, that was partly because Ian would be away playing test matches. Some years, Viv and Joel would be playing West Indies tours. Uh, and also, it kind of suited the nature of Ian and Viv in a way. They, they were capable, and Joel, for that matter. They, were, they, were, they could raise their game on the big occasion quite mm. brilliantly. It's harder to do that day in, day out in the championship, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when it really mattered, Viv usually scored 100 at Lords. (laughs) Joel, if you look at Joel's record in Lords finals, it's astonishing. He never won the man of the match there, but every time he went, you know, three for 20 or something. Um, So they relished those occasions, um, which kind of explains why we were better suited, if you like, to win the short form games than than the longer ones. Um, But we should have done better in the championship, really. Um, but we weren't we weren't necessarily the perfectly balanced side, but yeah, we might have got closer once or twice, I think. More music now, and this time it's Dusty Springfield. You don't have to say you love me.
Dusty Springfield there, and you don't have to say you love me. I could listen to you for hours, I tell you, I really could. <laughs> Honestly, oh you've got, it's just, it's brilliant, you know, some of the stuff that you can tell us about. Now, um, move, moving on a little bit, um, we're talking about championships. Somerset very nearly won the championship last season. Um disappointed that they didn't uh, how do you see the future for the current Somerset side now with the likes of Tom Tom um, Tom Abel a, yeah no the other one um, what's his name um, the batsman the young batsman oh Banton Banton that's the one yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I mean how do you see well, the Summer- future uh, I mean the future provided we can get back on the field yeah <laughs> the future yeah. is bright Mm. I mean, over the last few years, we have been incredibly close. It, that applied in 2019, but, you know, from about, I think it was 2012, and we were within an ace of mm. winning the championship up at Durham, uh, and we only lost it in the last 20 minutes of the season when I think it was Nottinghamshire got another bonus point at Lancashire. Yeah. <laughs> and they've been we've been second so often. And people often ask me, well, what, you know, compare the two sides, the one I played in, the one that's been playing incredibly good cricket in all forms, really, over the last decade. Mm. I don't think anyone's been in the first division of the championship as long as Somerset. No. Um, and, and, and uh, you know, you can argue that this is a better team in this sense. Um, in the, the side I played in, has three of the best cricketers in the world in it. Yeah. By Garner, Richards, both of them. Well, you wouldn't say that about the current Somerset team. They've got, but they have got a wonderful selection, mostly of, 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 of the perfect combination, really, of, of a lot of homegrown locals. We count Devon as homegrown. Yeah. Um, seven or eight of those in the team, plus one or two, three or four, you know, good players from elsewhere. And that's the best pattern. But they haven't actually, if you, you know, they've had Marcus, who's obviously been a great player, Mm. but they haven't had a whole range of, you know, the absolute world beaters. And yet still, they've been right at the top. I mean, the only frustration is that they've been thwarted just at the end. So often, I mean, it's a championship we all want to win. Mm. Um, And they had this reputation of being, you know, whatever, Cinderella's or coming coming second. Um, But they've done brilliantly to get as far as they had. And they've done it by and large, without the superstar in their team, the, mm. Vivian, the Vivian Richards or the or the Botham. Yeah. So in a sense, that's a greater achievement. And it is wonderful to go down there and see, you know, whether you see our bowling attack. And it's a ho- basically, it's a homegrown bowling attack. Yeah, You've yeah. You've got Overton's and Gregory's yeah. got two yeah. spinners. Yeah. Uh, one, uh, Don Bess and Jack Leach. Yeah. They've all come through, through the system. They're all locals, uh, along with some of the batsmen there, Tom Abel's and a brilliant job captaining it so it is i mean and you 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 know there has always been that special bond that i don't think other counties necessarily have between the players and the supporters they've been mm. very close we felt that years ago and they still feel it now it's partly because you know it's a smaller community and there are not so many distractions and no big premiership football sides or anything to mm, mm. to get behind so you find that there is this terrific bond between the supporters 
uh, and the players, and they get very well supported, and they get very sympathetically supported. You don't hear people slagging the players off very often no, down no, at Taunton in the no. way they do in other places. So that is quite special. Taunton, the Somerset cricket, is part of that community. It also helps that we never actually moved out of Taunton. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was a time where they thought about it, and they wisely decided to stay in the centre of the town. And it's a great sort of hub for, mm, mm. you know, you can go down for a couple of hours. You don't have to yeah. go down there all day. And they they get crowds that are the envy of, of a lot of other county sides. It's yeah. never it's never empty at Taunton. No. Um, so there's a lot going for it, but they've done a lot of good things down there. And, and they've, they've generated their own players. They've, they've had some good management behind the scenes over the years. Um, and it's a good place to go. Uh, and long may it remain so. You, you must have been proud to see... Uh... Jack Leach performing the way he did it for England, um, you know, last year. I mean, you know, I, I know he only got the one yeah. run, but what what a, what an innings that was, wasn't it? You know, I mean, it's <laughs> just unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, he. It, I mean, there's all sorts of things to admire about Jack, um, but his his. I mean, it's crazy to talk about his batting, but that innings up at Headingley yeah. was was. <laughs> was marvellous because I mean just think of all the stress and strain oh, yeah. of going out there I, what, I mean he talks beautifully about it remember they put on I think 72 him and Ben Stokes yeah and actually and he's done it before actually for Somerset batting down the bottom and getting us to a win mm. but the, he's explained how in that epic game actually when he goes out there there's no great pressure because it's 70 to 72 to win mm. nine wickets down. Everyone thinks the match is over. Yeah. Where it gets sticky is that they put on 45 yeah. or 50 yeah. and suddenly it's down to 20 or 15. I know. And now everyone's expecting you to win. And there's a, suddenly there's a weird pressure and it almost got to Stokes. Actually. Remember he was almost out twice at yeah. the end uh, when he suddenly realized, my goodness me, we're, we ought to win from here. And there's another weird pressure there. But Jack seemed to be able to cope with that quite brilliantly. Um, I was but kinda... he does a bowl... his bowling is the most important bit, really, but yeah. he'll never forget that. I was unfortunate with Jack because um, he played for Taunton. Taunton Dean he plays for or Taunton? I yeah, yeah. Well, the other end. Dean, I think. Yeah, I think it's Taunton Dean. They played Perrot, but it was before the heroics for England. And I did an interview with him up at Perrot because, you know, it was a great opportunity to do an interview for the radio. Mm. But, um, of course, it was before his heroics. I would have had the yeah, absolute yeah. brilliant exclusive if I could have got him afterwards. But that's, <laughs> that's radio, isn't it? That's, that's the problem. Well, with that's it. right. But it just shows what a weird system we have now in that he was playing because of the way the fixture list is and how it, he he was just playing for Taunton Dean in a you know a league match partly because he needed the practice he hadn't he hadn't played much he needed to bowl he needed yeah. to bat a bit and he's a humble bloke so he was happy to go and play with his mates at Taunton Dean mm. which in effect although he probably didn't know it at the time was going to be preparation yeah <laughs> <laughs> for one of the greatest matches of all time. Yeah, that's right. Well, I think it was just before he got he got ninety odd for for England, didn't he? Well, he that's right. He, yeah, it, it was just got, after that. It was, yeah, well, he got ninety against Ireland as a night watchman. I that's mean, right. You know, yeah. The odds on Jack getting a yeah. Test hundred um, would be astronomical before mm, that yeah. season. But uh, so, so he's um, 
you know, he's a remarkable character. And what I, there's all sorts of things I like about him. Um, and he's had to sort of do it the hard way. He's had all sorts of setbacks. Mm. Whether, uh, you know, he's had health issues. He's had little setbacks with his action. He's got injuries at the wrong time. Yeah. But he keeps bouncing back. So, you know, you have to admire him. Uh, just as you admire, you know, Don Bess, the way yeah. he's reacted to um, yeah. being picked for England. I mean, you know, he's he's he, he's not the complete spinning all round, but he's up for it, and he's mm. you know he's not carried by anything, and he's so keen to learn. Yeah, absolutely. So he's done terrifically well as well. Right, last of Vic's choices now, and that's called "You've Got a Friend," and it's by Carol King. Good to know that you've got a friend 
there and you've got a friend and that finally brings us to your book now you've got a new book oh, out. yeah we must get that we've yeah, got to, we've got to get the book, book in haven't we i mean that's the whole purpose of the interview <laughs> <laughs> yes well, so, so well, tell, tell us what what could we expect from this book give us give us an insight <laughs> well it's called original spin mm-hmm. desperation yeah um and it's, and it's it well it came out last year but there's a paperback coming out i think in june right who prefer that yeah <laughs> um and basically i mean it, it's it's a sort of memoir and but it, it's not all about me though but it is it focuses a lot of it on those years at somerset growing up at somerset with the likes of viv and joel and ian uh, mm. and those years and that that, that part of my career with most of it's was a delight, but there were some hiccups along the way, which we have to visit as well. Yeah, uh, and it spans into a little bit of of, of my sort of post cricket. Of course, I've been a journalist far longer than I was a cricketer. Yeah, um, and um, so there's a little bit about that towards the end as well. Um, working on on TMS, working in the papers for the last well thirty years, unbelievably. Yeah. Um, so it's a sort of memoir, but. I've been lucky in the sense that I've been around some of the great players and I've followed a lot of cricket over the last 30 years. I've been around where, where there's, you know, the advent of Peterson 2005 or whatever it is. I've, mm, mm. I've, I've been lucky enough to have been there or thereabouts looking on yeah, yeah. Um, where a lot has been going on. But that, but it's, um, yeah, so I, 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 it was actually published last year, but it's still sort of, it's disappeared a bit along with everything else during oh, the, yeah. the the epidemic. Well, um, everybody get out there and do? buy it, you know. <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> if you're sat at home um, doing nothing, this is the ideal opportunity. <laughs> Amazon will get yeah. it to you overnight. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, so, but, um, but I quite I enjoyed it more than I thought I would do, um, getting it together. And, um, yeah, it it came out, actually, alongside Rosie's, more or less. Brian Rosie's got a book out. Yeah, yeah. We even, just, just once, we had a little get-together to... 
<laughs> to swap notes. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, there's a few standard old stories. There's plenty of anecdotes in both our books, I think. Uh, often revolving around Brian Close, who was our captain when we first started, yeah. who was a sort of larger-than-life figure, of course. Well, um, when we you just write... wanted to swap notes <laughs> on some of the stories of, about Closey, which were nearly all true, actually. <laughs> <laughs> when, when you write a book, though, Vic, and, and obviously in your case, being a journalist, did, did you get mm. um, help from somebody else, or did you actually sit there and type it out, every word of it? I did, yes. Did you? I mean, right, I, yeah. I, I suppose, well, that's what I've been supposed to do. <laughs> I've been doing for the last quite a long time now. Yeah, yeah. So, no, I, I, um, I mean, some, some books are ghosted, obviously. Yeah. Um, it, particularly the sort of memoir type books. But, yeah. but you know, I'm, but no, I, uh, uh, no, I got my, got my laptop out and started writing and, um, just about kept going really yeah uh, you didn't have any problems sort of you know forgetting bits or remembering bits or um well i probably did forget a lot it's, it's a weird game isn't it for you in the certainly at professional level there are so many records there and i you know i've got quite a collection now of wisdoms but, yeah, yeah so you, you can go it's a, you can go to a scorecard and you can discover it, the memories start coming back when you read the scorecard, but you also find that your memory is flawed. I'm a, I've written in the book about a match I remember playing way back in 1976, before helmets at yeah. Southport against Colin Croft. Yeah, and I remember it was terrifying. It was a <laughs> dodgy pitch with a ridge. Croft was tearing in, no helmets. And I recounted, and it's a story I've recounted over the years, of having to leave the Somerset dressing room because two of the old stagers, Merv Kitchen and Graham Burgess, were there. Merv Kitchen took his teeth out and put them in his blazer because, <laughs> yeah. you know, he, Croft was horrendously fast and the pitch was unreliable. Yeah. And he was saying to Graham Burgess, oh, I, we're done for here. I don't know. We should have retired. <laughs> He's going to kill us. <laughs> and I, and I, I was so sort of affected. I was batting after them. And I, I just had to leave the... I thought, I've got to get out of this dressing room. They're terrifying <laughs> me now. Yeah, yeah. So I looked up this match at Southport and I discovered that Graham Burgess wasn't playing. <laughs> so, so this story that I've been had in my head yeah. was flawed. <laughs> Although, you know, the basics were true, but Graham Burgess wasn't actually there. <laughs> so you have to be have to be careful when you're you're writing about things gone by. Yeah, yeah. So um, just um, refresh our memories again, Vic. What's it called again? The book original spin right and i'm sure you can definitely get it from amazon everybody that's listening i'm sure you can so yeah. get out yeah. there and buy it in your thousands <laughs> yes <laughs> we've, we've got to keep this man in in the style he's become accustomed now what one other thing before we finish vic have you or do you ever get requested to turn your arm over uh, these days i mean i know you know you're you're not quite as old as i am but you're getting that way so uh, you know well, I- I occasionally get requested, and I nearly always reject. <laughs> yeah. Um, my last game, the last game I played, uh, was in 2012. Right. Which is quite a long time ago now, and yeah. it was Eight. an international match because yeah. I was playing against France. Right. Um, who had a touring party over here, and uh, they played down at Tiverton. Yeah. And I was asked to play in this, and at the end of it, we beat France. Uh, 
I announced my retirement from international cricket. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So and I actually I haven't played any sort of cricket since then. And I'm not sure that the ball would ever you know, land there. So I'm um, just wondering whether if we get short at Perrot or you could sort of perhaps no. turn out or something. You know? <laughs> it's, uh, it's too late now, I'm afraid. <laughs> I'd sooner hit a golf ball, not very far. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thanks ever so much, Vic. It's been really, really entertaining. And, uh, you know, it makes such a change from football because all I do is football most of these times. And uh, to get a cricketer yeah. of your your renown is, is brilliant. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's so listenable. I could listen to you all day. It's, it's great. So thanks ever so much. <laughs> Okay, cheers, cheers, Adrian. Good. There we go. That was Somerset, England, and of course North Parrot legend Vic Marks. Hope you've enjoyed the show. Please join us again next week here on Three Valleys Radio. <laughs>